uh, before we move on, Katie, why don't you turn your microphone the other way? <laughs> so <laughs> Katie actually dropped her microphone. So. Is it there, better now? There it is. Okay. Boom. Wow. That sounds okay. better. We're there good. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> My goodness, Katie. I mean, we've uh, we've gone a long ways, huh? We have. You know what? I was redoing parts of my website and I found a video from us. We were both like just coming up in the coaching field. It was called Show Up and Shine. I don't know what the hell we were talking about, but we were like, yay, show up, do your thing. And we're still kind of doing that, we right? Like so, you know, Katie, I wanted you on and we're going to talk about, you know, you we actually I you actually don't know what we're going to be talking about, but in the area right, it's the area of group practice. Okay. Let's let's talk about the triumphs and the challenges and the success and all that kind of stuff. So my name is Katie K May. I am a DBT therapist and group practice owner. Um, I have three locations, twenty employees in the greater Philadelphia oh. area, and so do you. Wow. It's all good. <laughs> Um, and I also have a consulting business that is now called the visionary therapist where I help therapists market, fill and run groups, but also optimize their group practices so they mm. can stabilize and scale and continue to enjoy the fruits of their labor without all of the stress and the other things that come with managing a bunch of people. Mm, wow. That's amazing. So for those of you who are listening, who have a group practice or starting off, I'm going to have a lot of, um, information about Katie's uh, uh, services because, you know, this is the age of group practices, right? I mean, it, it helped us become successful. Mm -hmm. It helped us to leverage things. And for those of you who love to travel, group practice is the way to go, right? Totally. I mean, I always say it's the most, it's the best passive income decision that I've ever made. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of like talk out there about how coaching and courses can be quote unquote passive income, but there's so much of that that is still like the face That's of right. me and the work of me. Whereas I can go away to one or all of your summits, Ernesto, and my I'm still generating income because right. all of my employees are still working and still making an impact and helping people. That's a good point. Our friend Uriah Guilford, um, he he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, we don't we're dropping names here. Uh yeah. So one of the things that he brought to my attention was like, Ernesto, you just upped and left California, where your group mm -hmm. practices in California, and then now you're living in Vegas. You're buying properties in Vegas. And do you know that your group practice is still running? Yeah. Just, you know, even though that you're not there. So you make a really good point. And it's really validating to know that, oh my goodness, with a group practice, when you run it systematically, when you when when you have all the systems in place and the right people in place, you can actually step away. I didn't even notice that I just abruptly left and stepped away. Um, but of, of course, that comes with a lot of consequences as well. Of course. But at the same time, he made me realize that yes, if and when I pay attention to my group practice and create the systems, I can walk away, right? Definitely. Sorry, I'm dropping things over here. <laughs> Her microphone um, fell, everyone. So I think everything you said is spot on. Like, yes, you can step away and you need the right systems in place and the right people managing those systems and the right mindset to give yourself permission to walk away. Because right. some people, I see a lot of group practice owners still struggling with that. Like, what am I going to tell them if I'm not in the building? That's so right. I think there's a lot of components that you need to build and 
like stabilize before you can actually walk away and the whole thing doesn't burn to the ground. Yes. When you do it right, you can actually step away. And sometimes we create this codependency with our, with our group practice, right? That somehow, and I struggled with this as well too, where mm-hmm. we make our group practice so dependent on us that we can't walk away from it, right? Well, I'm glad you used that word codependent because I really think that like nails what happens, especially when you're growing your practice. And here's the experience that I had where like we started like small and scrappy and the people that I hired, we were doing interviews, sitting on the floor and building furniture together. And it really felt like they were a part of something that was growing. And they knew me at a time when I wasn't uh, like a boss bitch, empowered, like group mm-hmm. practice owner. I was still learning as I was going. So they were growing with me. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the point where I was ready to step away, those were the people that were the hardest to step away from yeah. because they were used to having me around and in the mix for everything. And the relationship was different. Like new people coming in knew me as Katie, the, the clinical director, but old people knew me as like, Katie, the person who was there every day and we were all seeing clients and like finding mice in the building and, you know, fixing toilets together. And so it just felt codependent, like they needed me there. And so it was a lie I was telling myself, but it very much stemmed from the the relationship that we built as we built together. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you mentioned that piece because that's the hardest piece to walk away from, or at least Mm -hmm. try to have some boundaries with because our attachment styles really reflect on our group practice. Totally. I think that your business is only as healthy as you are. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're noticing, and here's a perfect example, and Ernesto, you and I have talked about this recently, but if you're noticing yourself getting agitated about it, employees being entitled, right? Mm. Like there's a part of that that is, I don't want them to be entitled because what it brings up in me is that I have to step up and set boundaries and mm. I don't want to do that. Exactly. Exactly. That is so freaking true. You know, and and let's go into that conversation then. Many mental health professionals don't know that their businesses are moving towards what they're trying to create in their own personal life, right? Yeah. And sometimes we have we we don't have those boundaries. So explain a little bit more of how this may look in your group practice. So it's how do I explain it? When I'm explaining it in therapy, we call it the transactional model, which is very much the same as like system therapy, like what you do influences me, what I do influences you. And so if you're noticing behaviors in your employees, such as them acting entitled, trying to take advantage of you, pushing limits, not meeting expectations, and you are getting mad, frustrated, upset, burnout, disappointed, what I would say is start looking at those employees as a mirror for like, what am I doing or not that's doing right. that's enabling, reinforcing this behavior? And how do I step up, step in and act differently so that this changes? So that's step one is like, who am I and why is this happening in my business? Instead of uh, shifting blame to the people, the the children in the yeah. family that are acting like children do. And I don't say that in a diminishing way, but like, they're employees for a reason because they want boundaries and structure and a place to go to work and know what they need to do and then clock out and go home. So, you know, when I hear group practice owners or business owners say things like, we're all adults, we should be able to X, Y, Z. That's your own cognitive distortion, right? right? Because like, yes, they should be able to do this, but they need you to hold that limit and maintain consistency for them. That's why they work for you. That's right. Because, you know, as a leader, as a group practice owner, we set the tone, right? We set the tone. And so unconsciously, we let people 
treat us the way that we have set the tone for ourselves as well, right? Exactly. Health of the leader, health of the team, like it's all on you for better or worse. So the way that you communicate, the way that you show up, I have an example way back when I started my practice and you know, I run a lot of groups. And so our groups are open and ongoing enrollment and we have people come in and then they graduate out. And one of our group leaders at that time used to get really anxious with changes. And so it got to the point, I'll call her Jane. So we're not outing her on a podcast, Mm -hmm. but it got to the point where our um, practice manager was like, oh, Jane's not going to like it. Another person is joining group. And I started to notice myself being like, what am I doing? Why do I have this energy of fear and anxiety about new clients coming into our practice? And so I talked to Tracy, who's like a shining star, my office manager. And I said, like, we're not going to, we're not going to have that energy. We're not going to have that conversation anymore. It is the point that we're getting new group clients. So we're going to have them keep coming in and we're not going to fragilize this person who, who has anxiety about it. So again, that like back and forth of what shows up in us when we notice some kind of feelings or behavior in the people that we support. I like that, Katie, where you trust your own instinct, call it out, see what's happening. You explore it from a different perspective, and then you inform your next behavior towards that because sometimes we don't talk about it. You know, it's like, wait a minute, I should not be feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? And then we don't talk about it, right? But what you're, what I'm hearing from you is that you're informing whatever it is that you feel in your body, within yourself to go, you know, why is this happening? You know, that codependent person in me is showing up. Mm -hmm. And let me figure out what's happening here. Because if I don't do that now, it's going to affect me negatively in my business. Exactly. And like, it doesn't come naturally to me. So let's not pretend that that is easy. My natural instinct is to be very emotional about things that aren't working well. And then to go to the other end and want to be like, well, fuck everyone. Here's a new rule and policy and here's a limit and here's how it's going to be done. But I know that's not effective and that's not aligned with my values. That's just my emotions showing up when I get scared, then I want to go to the other end and like, create rigid boundaries. So then I find myself in the middle before I actually present this to other people. And it's kind of the same as like somebody who, and I think it is very aligned with like a passive person or a person who has difficulty setting boundaries, like when they try to be assertive and then they overshoot it and they become aggressive and you're like, Oh, you missed that mark. Like that's, that's the, the boomerang that happens for me before I can be effective and actually implement what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So as a leader in a group practice setting, there's a fine balance of honoring what you're feeling, right? But at the same time, noticing where each individual, your employees, uh, your independent contractors, uh, where they're at emotionally and psychologically. I have a a leadership book that I've been reading. And one of the things that is very uh, interesting to that that this book noticed, and I'll have it in the show notes, um, is that you look at it from a hierarchy perspective, um, where one employee is looking for recognition. Maybe the other is looking for meaning. Maybe the other is looking for, for uh, their voice to be heard um, in the context of a uh, business. So there are some who are just coming in for the paycheck, but there are some that's the, on the other spectrum that they want to be part of a bigger picture, a bigger, yeah. higher goal. So as business owners, right, as group practice owners, we kind of have to be aware of where the, each individuals are at so that we as leaders can adjust. Yeah. I mean, knowing what motivates people and why they're Mm -hmm. there is super important. And I think not being hurt by somebody who is just there for a paycheck. Like I think there's this irrational expectation that everyone needs to have the same level Mm -hmm. of investment in your business as you do, but like they don't and that's okay. And it can still be mutually beneficial and they can still be a great employee 
and just collect their paycheck, clock out, but do great work when they're there. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw on, you know, um, Facebook can be, Facebook groups can be such a shit show, right? And totally. <laughs> I, I, I've seen some group practice owners complaining that their employees or independent contractors don't have the same level of vision, same level of drive and passion that they do. And I'm like, why should they? Yeah, why would they? So why? What in the world? This is your business. They're just coming in. What? What is that? Well, and I think there's like, it's a both and, as is everything, I think, when I think about it. But like what I do in my practice is we hold quarterly state of the companies where I share, here's what we've worked on, here's what we've accomplished, here's what's projected ahead in the next quarter. And here's our big one, three, five, 10 year goals. Maybe not all of them, but like we're looking into the future, right? Mm -hmm. And when I'm doing that, I am getting their buy-in for like, yes, we want the same thing as you. Um, maybe not the same like percentage profit. I'm not talking to them about that, but like, here's the impact that we want to make. Here are the communities that we want to serve. Here are the projects that we're working on for the betterment of the practice and the greater good. And I want people on my team that align with that because I want people. So my metaphor of like, we're all in the same boat. I want people that are rowing to the destination mm -hmm. with me and not like stalling me out or poking holes in the boat. Cause those people got to go. I have no time or energy for that drama, yeah. but like you want them on board, but they're never going to have the same level of investment that you exactly. do. Cause they literally don't have the same level of investment that you do. So why would they? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's, that's looking internally, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that we are wanting from all of our clinicians and having them be a family, you know, is, is the worst thing you could say to a group practice that you are running. Right. Well, and all of the research, like books and TikToks, because that's research, right? Like TikToks, mm -hmm. TikToks <laughs> of course, of course, all of the research I've done says that calling your business a family is creating a toxic culture mm -hmm. at work. And that makes sense considering like, how fucked up all of our families are, first of all. That's right. <laughs> Secondly, That's like, right. The expectations or demand that you're placing on somebody considering like, oh, we're a family, like everyone, whatever. It's, yeah, it's not accurate to what a workplace environment should be. Yeah, absolutely. And so all of these things, as far as the culture goes, understanding yourself, from your perspective, what are some of the things that is the most important that group practice owners need to look at for the health and uh, betterment of their group practice? I think number one, certainty in themselves and what they want mm. and to stop seeking approval or validation from the people that they pay. Mm. Because there's always going to be somebody that has a complaint, is unhappy, wants something done another way. And you're not their friend. You can be friendly with them but you also pay them and manage them. And so I find that, especially as practices are growing, there's like this experience of loss that mm -hmm. happens. We're not as close as we used to be. People are unhappy with me. And so I think in order to run an effective and healthy business, especially one that's growing, you need to be okay with people not being okay with you. And that requires a certain level of certainty in yourself and what you're moving towards. That's amazing advice. That's a really good way to look at it because again, you know, our our own insecurities will be reflected on if we don't work on it in the group practice, mm -hmm. in your group practice. And it can create a lot of toxic environment, right? And we want to look at the leaders, but at the same time, we want to look at the reaction and the responses that they have within the system of their business. 
right? Totally. We talked a little bit about adjusting, but when I say adjusting, it's you're responding, you're not reacting, right? You, you want to have those boundaries just because you you have these certain diff, different relationships with your uh, with your clinicians. There's also some boundaries involved in that, yes? I think so. It's making me think about when I was growing my leadership team and now I have five solid people in different positions on my leadership team. But my first take at this was just people who had been at the company for a long time. And I was like, great, they're great therapists. They can be great leaders. Well, I was dead wrong about that because great therapists don't always make great leaders. But my point that relates to what you're saying is that I found myself in a lot of tension, especially with one of these people where she wasn't in a position where she could show up as her best self and shine. She in fact, didn't want to manage people and we were getting very gridlocked and I was showing up very emotionally and reactively. And then she was being defensive and reactive. And then all of our leadership meetings became about our, our interpersonal issues with each other. And it was messy. Ultimately she stepped down from that position with my encouraging for her to go back to a position where she was in a good place but like, yeah, I forget what you were saying. <laughs> but yeah, like we need to be able to communicate well and from a place of health and not reactivity with with our team, or it's just not going to work and it's going to fall apart. Yeah, and I know that from personal experience too. I mean, I always tell people that I'm a somewhat recovering codependent and um, people pleaser and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It wasn't until I realized that that was a toxic way to relate. And the thing is, I blanketed. I blanketed that reaction, that response, that attitude to everyone in my group practice. And yeah, and then financially, it really bit me in the butt, right? So now Mm. I've got, like with you, I've got a solid team who are doing checks and balances. You know, I've got one who is, hey, we're going to collect this. We're going to do A, B, and C, and this is it. I don't care if they hate me or whatever, because Mm. for me, that's good for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can find myself overstepping her boundaries and go, well, maybe you want, you know, now I learned to step back and go, you know what? You do your thing because you're getting the revenue in. And yeah. I'm, I'm, for me, it's like I can find myself defending the employees. Right. Even if okay. she wants something done, she needs it to, to be turned in. And I come in like that passive father. And go, well, you know, I want you to kind of just say it this way so that they're not offended or they're not. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's my dad. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're catching yourself in that one thing you said, I think, is really important. I'm going to I'm going to do some therapy on you. Please, please, please. Um, Because you said even if they hate me. And I wanted to highlight that because it is a fear of a lot of business owners. And, you know, my husband is also a business owner and he's going through this process like two years behind me and having those same kinds of thoughts, like everyone hates me. Everyone's upset with me because I'm making these changes and holding accountability. But the truth is like, that's your job to hold them accountable. And it's also the employee's job to question the authority. You know what I mean? It's the power dynamic. And so that's another piece of like, being comfortable in a position of leadership means being comfortable knowing your role in that power dynamic and that people under power are always going to question or buck up against power. And that doesn't mean they hate you as a person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. These are some of the fears that I still, that still comes up, you know, when I've 
Um, but, but now I learned to manage them and to, you know, one of the things before was when an employee would come to me and go, um, I'm putting my notice um, to, to go to another, um, uh, to do another business or, you know, work at a more stable job because at that time we were collecting um, private pay, right? We were, and, and in California, yeah. it was really tough to do that, but he had to go somewhere. But the mm-hmm. story that I created in my mind was, oh my gosh, I got to do better with my relationship mm-hmm. with my employees and my business is not running the way, the, the culture is not running the way that I wanted to. And how can I keep this person? You know, mm-hmm. those are the stories that come up in my mind. And I thought to myself, stop. <laughs> It's hard not to take that personally. I do think that at this point, I'm at a place where we have really good exit systems and even exit transparency of like everyone in my company knows what it looks like if they want to resign and what it looks like for their caseload and all of those other things. And systems, I think the objectivity of that takes some of the emotionality out of it and um, makes it easier. And I think I've now prepared myself for like, my my statement is we rent our employees, we don't own them. So we mm. know that they're going to move on at some point. So I own my systems, but I don't own my employees. But as I was going through the process of accountability and systems and stabilization, we had eight people turn over in two years in the middle of a pandemic. And you know, my depression story that came from that. And we've talked each of us, you, me, like eight other therapists that I've spoken to where suicidal thoughts were a part of that process. And like the pressure on us as practice owners and the difficulty in not taking that all personally as somebody's leaving. So it's, it's definitely a process to get to the side of like being okay with it. And it's hard not to personalize it because your business, your baby, your, your livelihood, right? Like it's hard to see someone walk away from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for those of you who listened to the first episode of the podcast, I mean, right off the bat, the first episode of my, the Not Typical Psychotherapist podcast was to talk a little bit more about my journey and what I found in my group practice and how I felt Mm -hmm. so unaligned, so ashamed. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it really brought up a lot of stuff, right? And uh, just, just to recap of that experience was, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter of 2022, I found out that my group practice wasn't billing, wasn't collecting insurance. And I, I thousands and thousands of dollars later, when my executive team was like, Ernesto, you need to look at this and look at the numbers. And we started seeing the data and I'm like, what the freaking hell? You know, and so that caused me to go into not only a, a, some occasional panic attacks, but also some mm-hmm. depression. It's like, you know, uh, people look at me and so we look at us on social media. They go, "Wow, they're very successful." And then when they bring that up, like, "Well, we want to be like you, successful like you," I'm like, "No, I don't think so." Well, I think it it all it's all part of the package, and you and I have both shared transparently about that. Um, and you know, don't hide behind a curtain of everything is sunshine and rainbows. For me, that moment was mid pandemic when people were leaving and people were mad. People were signing on to be a part of a company that was private pay and then mad at me telling me I wasn't being accessible enough. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't giving enough. When meanwhile, I'm suffering with my own depression, dealing with a child with depression, having two business owners trying to keep businesses alive and keep people employed. And I wanted to burn it all down and I wanted to die. And that was it. And like, 
I got through it and I know how to get through that. And thank you therapists, because like, you know, that's how we get through things is friend therapists and actual therapists, but like, it's hard. And I don't think any of us should pretend that it's easy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I still remember that post that you would, I want to, I think along the lines of, I want to burn it all down. Oh my gosh. At that time, (laughs) I was like, yes, I want to burn everything down right now because that's a natural tendency to feel when things are not going your way or when you perceive uh, in reality or not, people are are calling you out, not liking you and their silence. Mm -hmm. You read into their silence, right? Oh, gross. Hard not to feed into that shame. Also, I hope one of my buildings never burns down because I've said that so many times. I feel like I would get (laughs) in trouble for arson or something. (laughs) So many people have heard me say, I just want to burn it all down. Like it's a problem. (laughs) All right. You heard it here, folks. Remember when she says that it's only a figure of speech. That's it. That's it. Not real. (laughs) Not real at all. Not real at all. Well, you know, for, for the group practice owner, who are listening right now, um, Katie, what, what, what are some parting words that you'd like for them to, to know? I think one of the most important things is to find yourself a support system of other people who are doing what you do. Ernesto, you know, Shailene, Shailene Kite, I'll call her out here. She is a friend that I connected with over the pandemic, just on Facebook and then through text. And now we've become friends. Now we're running a program together. Um, she's speaking at the conference. And so like, Find yourself someone who does something like what you do, where you can text back and forth, where you can say, like, I'm holding the match. Talk me down figuratively, of course. Yes. Um, or like, you know, this is the thought that I'm having that everyone's upset with me today because I did this, because I think we need to normalize the triumphs and the struggles that come with being a group practice owner. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that alone, again, remembering that like your employees are not your support system. Um, you're supporting them. You need someone to support you. So That's that right. would be my biggest piece of advice is find that person, whether it's a coach, a friend, a group, whatever, but you need something for you because leadership is a really lonely place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And since we're dropping names, my, my, my man is Uriah Guilford. Oh I yeah. Mean, right. <laughs> I, we text back and forth and, you know, I, I, I re in reality, I talked to him about all the things that's going on and he knows. So you're absolutely right. It, it feels good not to hide because when you keep hiding, shame starts seeping in. Right. Right. Well, shame thrives in, in hiding. Mm. Right. So if we opposite action that, if we instead say it and share it, and know that we're not alone and that we belong. That's actually how we reduce shame. Wow. That's awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on. And Thanks uh, for you having know, me. I, I love that you you keep showing up on social media and a lot of people are eating it up and we yeah. need that. We need that. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So I will have the show notes, uh, the website, everything with Katie and I'll also do a plug here on a uh, a summit that we're doing in Anaheim, California next year. I will have that in the show note as well, too. And Katie is going to be one of the speakers there. And in fact, it's going to be so much fun. In fact, the first not your typical psychotherapist, Katie's, Katie was actually one of the OGs. This is true. I was there. <laughs> what, what, it's, when was that? 2018? 17? Uh... 
2019 maybe okay okay i don't know it was back then it was, it was pre-pandemic <laughs> that was a time when i was like you know what let me just throw this together and all of us were you know we were all in harmony and we were all in one room we're gonna do the same style of yeah. a summit and a conference we're gonna go back to that in anaheim california right across disneyland my friends so come and see katie speak and rock it on the stage Speak and implement, if I may add. So we're talking about where inspiration meets implementation. So not only are you going to get like strategy and idea, but we're actually going to help you bring it to the ground and put it into action in real time. So you walk away with things done, um, strategies in place. You, you walk away with more than you came with. Yeah, absolutely. And so how it's going to go is that Katie's going to be teaching, but we're going to do some ex experiential things. We're going to work in real time in your group practice. It's going to be a, a huge group setting, but you're going to be walking away with a lot of things. All the speakers are positioned not only to talk, but also to implement some ideas for you. So we're going to be working in real time. We're going to be walking around, making sure that you are working. So it's going to be a different way to approach a summit and a conference because we're going to be hands-on, right, Katie? Exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in. And I will have in the show notes, the website and how to register for this conference at this summit in Anaheim next year, my friends. Thank you again, Katie. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.